You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. We've been involved in a series over the past three weeks, and that series is, has, uh, is called Essentials. And we're concluding that series today. And throughout the series, we've been looking at Acts chapter 2 and drawing some of the essentials that are necessary to life. So once again today, I want to read to you Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, to lay the foundation for what we'll consider today. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and uh, and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, I don't know about you, but over the past three months, I've heard the word essential more than at any period of time in my life because the world has been trying to figure out what is essential to life. This morning, if we had the time to begin to work together to create a list of what we believe the essentials of life would be, I have no doubt that that list would be very long. And I would imagine that that list would begin to include things like food and clothing and water and money and relationships. And that list could go on and on. You know where I'm going with that. Well, while we would all agree that those things are essential to life, when we look back over the past three weeks, when we look at what we've been focusing on in Acts chapter 2, we realize that we've been talking about an, a different kind of essential. We've been talking about spiritual essentials, those things that are necessary to our spiritual life, those things that are necessary, uh, essential for our own spiritual vitality, our spiritual effectiveness, fulfilling what God has called us to, and necessary for our own um, spiritual growth and formation and transformation. These are the essentials of life. And as we've looked at Acts chapter 2 so far, uh, in early in chapter 2, we looked at the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That is an essential to life, that we need the empowerment. We can't do it on our own, but we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to uh, help us, to empower us to do what God has called us to do. Uh, We also looked, uh, as we looked at chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, we looked at how that, that baby church, when it was uh, birthed, they were committed to the word. They were committed to the po- apostles' teaching. They understood the essential of the word for their spiritual life. They were a learning church. And then last weekend, we looked at the essential of koinonia. Koinonia being that meaningful uh, community, life lived out among the believers in meaningful relationships, authentic relationships where we're doing the same kinds of things that they were doing in that early church. They broke bread together in their homes. They ate together. They shared with one another. They were doing life together. Well, today we want to add to that list as we conclude, we want to add the spiritual essentials of prayer and worship. In verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And then in verse 47, it says, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So the question that we want to briefly focus on today is why is prayer and worship essential to our everyday lives? 
And we can begin by, with, with just a general response by saying prayer and worship is essential to our everyday lives because it's necessary. It's a lifeline if we want to live with continual freshness in our spiritual vitality, a continual renewing. And it's necessary if we want to live with a freshness, a renewal in carrying out the call that God has called us to, being effective in that call. And we recognize that it's essential, it's necessary, it's a lifeline if we're going to continue to grow in our understanding of who God is and becoming more like his son Jesus every day because Jesus is the exact image of the Father. So there's our spiritual growth, our spiritual formation, our spiritual transformation. But I want to push just a little bit beyond those today. And I want to just take a few moments to uh, talk about four things that answer the question, I believe, of why prayer and worship are essential in our everyday life. And I'm going to focus a little bit more on the prayer part, but I will get to the worship part. So here's what I want to say. Prayer and worship are essential because, first of all, Jesus directed us to pray. When we look to uh, Matthew chapter 6, we find ourselves right in the middle of uh, what we refer to as Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And right in the middle of that sermon, Jesus is teaching about prayer. Um, And it's interesting that as he's teaching on prayer in chapter 6, there's no less than three times in chapter 6, in verses 5, 6, and 7, that Jesus says, when you pray. He doesn't say, If you pray, if you decide to pray, but he says, when you pray. And so we can understand from that, that there is a directive that Jesus is saying, prayer needs to be a part of your everyday life. Prayer is not optional. You need prayer in your life so you can have a freshness in your life every day. But I would also say prayer uh, in worship are essential because prayer Uh, provides us with direct access to God. Um, In that same chapter, in chapter 6, Jesus says, but when you pray, so again, there's the directive, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Notice he doesn't say, go out and find someone who will pray on your behalf. Go find an intercessor. Go find a mediator. Instead, he says, when you pray, there's the directive. He says, pray to the Father. Go into your private place and pray to the Father. In other words, he's saying, you have access to the Father. You have access, direct access to the creator of the universe, the one who spoke and life came into being. You have access to him and he is your heavenly Father. And as your heavenly Father, he will love and care for you in a way that you've never known before. So Jesus is helping us understand that when we go to the heavenly father, we go and we can pour out our hearts to him. We can pour out our victories, our successes, our challenges, our struggles, our anxieties, our anger, whatever might be there. We can pour it out to the heavenly father and know that we're in a safe place when we do it. He's not going to scold us. He's not going to beat us up, but he's going to embrace us in a way like we've never known before. It's unconditional love, the love of a father. So we get to do that. We, we have direct access to the creator of the universe. Prayer and worship is essential because prayer expresses our dependency on God. In Mark chapter 9, um, we find that Jesus and Peter, James, and John have gone up on the mountainside 
And while they're there, Peter, James, and John experience something that's just beyond anything they can imagine. They saw the transfiguration of Jesus. In other words, they saw Jesus in all of his heavenly, godly glory. And they didn't really know what to do with it. So eventually they came down from the mountainside. And as they came down with Jesus, Jesus, Peter, James, and John, they come on the other disciples. And when they find those disciples, they see there's a great crowd around them. And not only is there a crowd, but there's a great commotion going on all around the disciples. And Jesus steps in and he says, what is going on here? And there's a father in the crowd and he says, well, um, I brought my son to your disciples. He's, uh, he's controlled by this demonic force. And I asked your, your disciples to drive it out and they couldn't. So what does Jesus do? He speaks into the situation. He speaks to the boy. He speaks to that demonic spirit and he drives it out and the boy's made whole. Later, Jesus and the disciples are together and the disciples ask Jesus, Jesus, why couldn't we drive that evil spirit out? And Jesus responds and we find it in Mark 9, 29. He says, these kinds come out only with prayer. I think it's interesting that prior to this time, Jesus had sent the disciples, actually 72 disciples out on a great prayer expedition, a great time of of, of ministry. And um, uh, he sent them out two by two. And as they went, they were empowered and they saw the blind see. They saw lame people walk and they saw the demonic being driven out of the people that they encountered. And they came back and they gave these great reports. There was great celebration. So you would wonder with such success, such success in that ministry time, why couldn't the disciples drive this evil spirit out of this boy? And I wonder if in that time of ministry, they had become a little too sure of themselves rather than depending on God. Is it possible that they were saying, look what we did When we were out, we laid hands on people and they recovered. We laid hands uh, on the blind and they could see the lame could walk. And the key word there was we. And so somehow they began to mistake what was happening as something that they were doing. And I believe that Jesus was trying to teach them, you don't turn prayer and worship into a formula. Maybe that's what they had done. Maybe they had uh, created uh, a way that when they prayed for people, they always did it this way. And so they began to become dependent on that formula, that method. And and so uh, depending on that, rather than depending on God. And, And what Jesus is teaching them is, it's not what you can do, but it's what God working through you can do. In other words, we must have complete dependency on God, even in our prayer time. That when we go to him, when we talk to him and we call out to him, we recognize, I can't make this happen. But I'm talking to the creator of the universe with whom nothing is impossible. And I can talk to him because he's my father. I have direct access to him. And I can talk to him about what's going on. Or I can pray for someone, but him working through me, the wholeness, the healing comes. And so we must have complete dependency on God. And then finally, uh, I believe prayer and worship are essential because prayer provides a gateway to worship. Prayer provides a gateway to worship. Looking back to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. So notice again, there's the, there's the expectation, there's the directive about when you pray, and this is how you pray. You go directly to the Father, but when you go to the Father, you say, hallowed be, or holy is your name. It's interesting. He didn't say, when you come to the Father, when you go to the Father, your first order of business is to tell him what you want, to tell him what you need, to tell him what you're mad about, to tell him what you're frustrated about, to tell him what you desire, to tell him who you want to beat up. He doesn't say any of those things. He says your first order of business is when you come to the Father, that you come in awe of him and you recognize his greatness. See, prayer opens the way to worship. You recognize how great he is. And then you declare that he is a holy God set apart from sin and that there's no one like him. And then you thank him for the gift of Jesus Christ, our Savior, through whom we have forgiveness of our sin. He shed his blood for us. We have eternal life. We have full life. That's what prayer, prayer, see, the right way to enter into prayer is not thinking about us, but about thinking about God. And when we recognize who God is, then we begin to live this lifestyle of worship that opens its way up through prayer. Now, I've talked to you about four things that I believe answer the question why prayer and worship is essential in our everyday lives, but I've asked for some help, so I want you to listen to Chris and Carol McCall by way of video talk about prayer and worship as an essential in their lives. Hello, we're Chris and Carol McCall, and we'd like to share some thoughts about prayer and worship today. One of the things that first attracted me to Chris when we were friends in high school and then later when we were dating in college was that he would pray with and for me. My own prayer life uh, started pretty much with just uh, observing other people and praying uh, memorized prayers. Uh, I saw my great aunt pray diligently. Uh, she had a prayer partner and they prayed an hour a day. And I saw something in her life that I later would recognize as the fruit of the Spirit. Those qualities that I saw in her, I knew were somehow linked to her love for Jesus and her prayer life. And I wanted uh, to be likewise. As I began to pray and read scripture, I began to realize that the psalmist were transparent with God in, in what they were thinking and what they were feeling. If they were angry, if they were fearful, they were transparent about it. And I began to do likewise. And God met me there. Later, I began to incorporate passages of scripture in my prayer, and uh, I did that because I realized that if I was taking it in context, I knew I was, I was praying God's will, and that's um, more powerful than praying my will. Uh, later, I began to incorporate um, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, and praise in my prayers. And as I learned more of who God is, I began to incorporate um, who he is in my prayers. Uh, one time about 20 years ago, I was praying and I said something like, you're a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, without my heart engaged. And the Holy Spirit convicted me of that. Um, when I repented, uh, I asked our Lord to reveal more of who he is to me. And he began to do that. That day I started an alphabetical list of names, titles, and character attributes of God. And I frequently use them in my personal times of prayer and worship. 
Um, several years ago, we were going through a heart-wrenching family situation. Um, I was pouring out my heart and praying to God and weeping. Um, and after about 25 minutes of that, our uh, Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, worship me. And I told him, um, you know, Lord, I don't feel like worshiping you right now, but I choose to be obedient. And so I sang, I worship you, Almighty God. Um, it sounded horrible, um, but when I finished, um, I wanted to worship him. So I sang it again, this time with my heart engaged. And when I finished, um, I knew that God was going to sustain us through what the future held. And I also knew what my role in it was, to pray for them and love them. Prayer and worship are intertwined. I need them, and so do you. Prayer is something that we should and need to do. There have been times when I prayed that I did not want to pray, but when I did, something changed in me. One of my favorite quotes is from C.S. Lewis is, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It does not change God, it changes me. Many see prayer as a command, Matthew 6, 5, and when you pray, Matthew 6, 9, this then is how you should pray. Romans 12, 12, be joyful, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. I like to think these verses as a call to action rather than a command. The call to start the action of the prayer. Once we begin, we begin, take the leap of faith. God is revealed to our heart. God has first called us, but we respond in faith with worship and thanksgiving. If God never answered another prayer, Jesus' sacrifice would be enough. God would still be very God of very God and worthy of all praise and adoration from all of His creation. Thanks for being with us today. We're going to worship a little bit more, but I want to ask a question. How's your, how's your prayer life? How's your worship life? Is it an active part? Is it part of your disciplines? Is it part of your practice? Is it bringing that renewal, that refreshing that you need on a daily basis? It's interesting. Um, in Luke chapter 11, uh, we find that the disciples came to Jesus and they said, will you teach us how to pray? Obviously, they had been watching him as they followed him and they saw that prayer and worship were an integral part of his life. And they wanted to be like him. And we know that they were successful in learning how to pray when we go all the way to Acts chapter 2 and we look at the birthing of the church because the church was birthed out of prayer and out of worship. 120 people gathered in an upper room praying and worshiping. And it was from that that Peter and the disciples led the church in its infant stages. And so much of that was rooted and grounded in prayer and worship. So as you're considering how is your prayer life, how is your worship life, I think that we can follow the example of the, the disciples. And regardless of where we are in that spectrum, we can say, Jesus, will you teach me how to pray? We have to always be open to learning more. When Jesus answered their question, he, he, he led them 
uh, in the Lord's Prayer. He taught them the prayer that we know as the Lord's Prayer. And when he was teaching them that, it wasn't a formula, it wasn't a method, but he was saying, when you pray, these are the kinds of things that should be included in your prayer time. So this morning, I want you to stand, and I want us to actually pray that prayer together before we worship just a little bit more. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Father God, our hearts today is, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? Make us men and women and students and children of prayer that we might grow continually in you. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.